Hello, listener, and welcome back to the Criterion Connection, a podcast where two film lovers normally craft double <laughs> features of the films in the Criterion Collection. We also normally highlight hidden gems on the Criterion channel and new additions to the Criterion Collection. But this week, we're not doing any of that because my lovely friend and co-host Mackenzie is currently on vacation. So <laughs> we are just going to record this little bonus episode for all of you and discuss right what it says on the tin. Our top five films that we would add to the Criterion Collection. Mackenzie, how are you doing? I know we just got done recording our Tales of Hoffman episode, <laughs> but since yes. then how you doing but since then how are you doing <laughs> it's been five minutes uh yeah no as everyone if you know last week you listen last week it was a harrowing episode for us um but i'm very excited to be going into next week's episode with the red shoes um and you know as you're hearing this i will be recouping from my beach vacation so it'll be good and i'm excited to talk about this i mean this is a list that i, I just threw together but like could change at any moment uh, at any time so excited to just figure out why i chose these five in this moment right now yeah and just a note for you the listener this is going to be a really loosey-goosey episode not that yeah. normal criterion connection episodes are super structured or <laughs> go by a specific set of rules uh but this is basically just going to be a conversation between me and mackenzie uh, I asked Mackenzie if she wanted to do a bonus episode for her vacation just so I could have something to drop into our feed. And I was like, I've got all these prompts uh, in my back pocket just for times like this. And that first one that came to my mind was, what would you add to the Criterion collection? Because this is something that gets discussed amongst cinephiles, whether they be our friends or not, people in the mm -hmm. Criterion subreddit. This is like a big topic of discussion amongst criterion fans and i think just boutique blu-ray fans in general like i love this movie but there's no physical release or not a good one um mm -hmm. so i basically was like talking to you and i was like it can be anything it can be modern it can be old I, I even said it could just be a 4k update of one that's already in the collection um so yeah i mean i guess we should get right to it mackenzie did you like have a lot of ideas when I came to you with this idea or did you have to think about it really deeply? I mean, there's a, a mix of both. It was one of those, like, I had a lot of ideas because I'm sort of the type of person where like, yes, I know, I know Criterion is not the only boutique label and I'm aware of that. I feel like that's the biggest thing people get whenever they say what they want in the collection. Um, but like, if I could have every movie I love in the collection, I would do that. Like if I could have like, all these greats i always talk about this isn't on my list today and i'll and i'll explain why but like you know like if i could have sunset boulevard in the in the collection if i could have casablanca in the collection yeah of course i would love that i would like but um i think with this list i just kind of went with five that in my gut i felt like um either i don't have there's aren't good releases of them and i would like genuinely love to see them have a good updated release um or they're just films like that came to my mind on that day and I knew that if I sat and thought about it too long I would change them like 50,000 times so I like did this list I put it away and I committed so I haven't even looked at it in like three weeks and I'm looking at it again now <laughs> um yeah no about the same like I'm I'm one of those people when asked to make a list or if I, I'm given a list prompt I will change it and change it and change it I'm so indecisive this is like also just how my viewing habits go like I'll 
get up in the morning and be like, I'm so excited to watch gentlemen prefer blondes tonight. And then by the end of the evening, I'm like, all right, Sallows or 150 days of Sodom. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's wild. Um, all right. I'm really excited to get into it before we do that. I know I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't ask you to prepare yeah. this, but do you have any honorable mentions that aren't on the <gasps> list? Just run them down quickly off okay. the top of your noggin. Okay, I'm just looking at my favorites on Letterboxd list. Um, uh, Sunset Boulevard, I already said that, but like, yeah, I would love, I just, I love my favorite directors. I just kind of want to see everything they've done in the collection. So I feel like, you know, Sunset Boulevard or even The Apartment, just like the two big Billy Wilders that aren't in the collection. I would love to see them in the collection at one point. Um, Young Frankenstein, I think one of the greatest comedies ever made. I think uh, Mel Brooks is a really influential director who isn't present in the Criterion Collection. And for me, I would I, I like that, like, I, I don't know, I feel like it's a really amazing mark of a director to be in the collection. And I think Mel Brooks has cemented himself as a comedic legend. And I think Young Frankenstein is his best movie. Uh, and I think that'd be fabulous in the collection. Oh, and oh God, I don't know. I'm struggling to find another one. So I think I will just say, uh, I don't know, Carol? I don't know. I'm looking through my favorites and I'm like, Todd Hayes is in the <laughs> collection a lot. Why isn't Carol? Yeah. So uh, I'm sure, again, like if I could just have all of my favorites, boom, that's it. But those are those are three just kind of off the top of my noggin. Do you have any honorable mentions that you made? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I got a couple uh, that I am not going to talk about at length just because like I think a lot of people uh, have these desires as well and they can intellectualize this themselves or it's just something that's too far outside the realm of possibility because another boutique label has the rights to these or they have perfectly good uh, releases on their own right. So those would be Possession, um, the my beloved 1981 psychosexual horror film by Zulawski. Uh, that has a great release by MondoVision. It'd just be cool to see Criterion do something like that. Mm. Another horror film that I think would be super cool to see the Criterion uh, collection have but also has a decent release is John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. I think that's Ooh. his best work. I think it's got a lot to say about faith and science and the battle between the two forces. A couple other ones. This one I think is definitely getting a release, but I'm going to continue to speak it into existence. I did it an episode or two ago, and that is a box set of Eric Romer's The Four Seasons, which is a recent addition to my all-time favorites. I watched these on the channel. I fell deeply in love with them. They're just phenomenal movies that don't have a uh, U.S. release, like at all. The only thing that you can get is I believe you can get an import of the DVDs for like 25 bucks, which are apparently crappy quality. Or from this Japanese boutique Blu-ray label, you can import uh, the Four Seasons for, I believe, $350. Um Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I'd really like Criterion to do that and price it reasonably at $100 and then I'll get it on a 50% off sale. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the last two that I'll mention, I think Sofia Coppola's Mary Antoinette is a mm. masterclass in production design, costume design, and I think it has some amazing performances. I love that movie so much. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I think the thing's iconic. It deserves to be in the collection, and they obviously have some of, some sort of a relationship with uh, Sofia Coppola. Um, her mm -hmm. film, The Virgin Suicides, just got a 4K restoration in the collection. And then the final film is 
probably uh, one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, it's from a director that the Criterion Collection does have a relationship with. It's also one of the best sequels ever made. In fact, I am often one of the lone people who argues it's better than the original. Oh, let the sun beat down upon my face. Stars to fill my dreams. I am a traveler in both time and space to be where I have been. Is he all right? Are we all right? Kashmir? Is that your idea of making a contribution? We haven't even started. We haven't even gotten to the terms yet. We're this close to losing that. Okay, I don't even understand what happened in there. What did I say? You called his niece a whore. A very cheap one. What? She's seven. You're currently confined to bed with a wicked oh, case. No, of don't, don't, don't tell anybody. I'm sorry. Okay. So what does this mean? It means you stay here. That's right. It is the European art house film smuggled to American cinemas as a heist film, Ocean's 12. Okay. I was like trying to figure this out. I was like, what is this? The Godfather Part 2? Like, what are you talking about? No, Ocean's 12 is like my favorite Ocean's film. And I am stand up so hard for that film. It is such a weird, weird movie. It's just movie stars hanging out, having fun with a director they really like. But it's also like trying all these weird storytelling techniques both uh just writing wise and also like visually it's so much fun i love that movie and i think more people should love that movie and this is really not me asking for it to be in the criterion collection it's me just stumping for it but anyway that, that that's it I, I need to cut myself off Mackenzie, and i think we need to get to the main event so just like when we did our top tens for a pilot episode we'll alternate why don't you kick us off with your number five pick to be entered into the Criterion Collection? Yes, these are not ordered in order of preference. These are ordered in order of release date from earliest to newest. So this is just the, like the oldest release on my list. Um, I just want to say that because it in no way indicates how I feel about it in terms of if I were to rank these five films. But um, a film that I've mentioned, I think, a few times on this podcast that I think is an incredible movie that more people need to see and I, as far as I'm aware, it doesn't have a decent slash at all U.S. release or one that I could find. It's not streaming very often. It is 1969's Funeral Parade of Roses. Uh, I think this movie is one of the most mind-blowing movies I've ever seen in my life. And I've only gotten to see it once. Uh, and as a shame, because I would love to be able to watch it again. It's just, you know, it's not around very often on streaming services. Um, but it's a really amazing movie. And I, yeah, I would love just like an amazing release of this film. Um, this comes up again with other films in my in my top five, but you know, it's also amazing queer representation, trans representation for the collection, which I know they're actively trying to increase. Um, it's just a phenomenal piece of cinema. I don't want to say too much about it because it's one of those films you really have to experience because the director is taking a lot of huge swings with the visual language and the storytelling in this film and the ending is just comes out of nowhere and it's absolutely abstract and crazy and you deserve to watch it without knowing anything about it and uh so yeah i recommend seeking it out if you can find it and i would absolutely that's like the most of all my picks the most genuine like i think this needs a good release on my list um yeah ian what is your number five um I've 
so my my number five is uh similarly like a thing that I think doesn't have a genuinely good release. I think there's at least two films on my list that just don't have good releases at all. Um, and my number five is um Eric Romer's 1987 entry in his series of comedies and proverbs, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, otherwise known as my girlfriend's boyfriend has a couple different translations, but this is just like proto the worst person in the world. This is mm-hmm. a beautiful story about romance and friendship and loyalty to friend over boo thing or loyalty to boo thing over friend. It's, you know, very, uh, very crafty and witty dialogue. And it's just really intricately plotted in a very subtle way. Like it's not a film like Inception or, I don't know, uh, Knives Out where it's just a puzzle piece, but it is just so specific to the way that the events unfold. There's a lot of imagery using color to signify feelings and also connection, uh, you know, individual to individual and how those connections move and change throughout the film. It's also just a very tender and soft film. It's one of my go-to comfort films. I saw this on Metrograph at Home, which is a uh, very niche streaming service uh, that is uh, under the blanket of the Metrograph in New York, which is a uh, art house cinema. Um, and I just fell in love with it immediately. Um, like a lot of people have talked about the influence Eric Romer has had on the worst person in the world, which if you don't know is my favorite movie of all time. And this is just so clearly the ancestor of that film, at least one of them. And you can only get it as an import through Arrow Academy United Kingdom. And I do have that. Um, And uh, it comes in a box set of the entire comedies and Proverbs series, which is just this thematic series that Eric Romer put out through the eighties, just exactly what it sounds like. They're uh, films telling moral tales through the use of comedy, Uh, very subtle comedy, very lighthearted and uh, you know, comedy not laugh out loud comedy um so that's my number five pick i would really love to see either a criterion box set of these comedies and proverbs films but more so i'd really love to see this film get a lot of love because it's probably the least popular one in this series of uh movies he made in the 80s mackenzie uh what is your number four pick um, so this is like a very probably funny pick, but you know, vibes. This I believe does have plenty of US releases. So this is more of a like I just think it'd be fun to have in the collection kind of pick. Um we've talked about it I think maybe before and I got all the slack for my opinions about the Fableman, but I do believe that Steven Spielberg <laughs> is one of the most influential directors on American cinema, at least the last, you know, chunk of I mean, he's 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 like the guy, you know. What I mean so many people grew up on his films and so many people love his films and my personal favorite of his films is 1975 Jaws. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Shut off that engine. Film that invented the blockbuster uh, and is just generally one of my favorite movies ever and uh so i picked jaws as my number four pick uh because i just think spielberg as a director that it would be cool to have him present in the uh collection in any way because i think he is 
I, I think he will always be remembered as a director that really influenced a lot of culture, especially from the mid seventies to the early nineties. A lot of his films were just really impactful on people. And I think he's, I think you could say that about a lot of his films and kind of say like golden age of family films as well. Like, hell, put E.T. in the collection. I don't know. But those, again, like all Spielberg movies are films that other rights holders will never let go of because they will always make money. So like Criterion's never going to get this. Um, but he's a director that I think is one of the seminal American directors and I think would be really great in a collection. And my personal fave is Jaws. That's why I chose it. Ian, what is your number four? We're in your number four, correct? That is right. Uh, my number four is, I believe, a favorite of yours as well as mine. My number four is going to be a beautiful tale of love between two Chinese women. 2004, oh. Alice Wu, Saving Face. Um, the first time I watched this, I just wrote a very, very, very brief review on Letterboxd that just said, uh, Queer Harry Met. Uh, queer when harry met sally perfect uh <laughs> i love this movie it's just a very very light-hearted uh clash of cultures uh romance story the two main characters uh just happen to be queer and you know that's and it just adds a lot of interesting layers because they both belong to two different sects of chinese american communities which are you know historically not exactly the most open-minded when it comes to uh queer relationships and the lgbtq plus community um but what i really love about this movie is it's never really about trauma it's never really about uh hate it's not it's a it's it's pretty light especially for 2004 when it comes to dealing with these issues but it also doesn't mm -hmm. sanitize them and it doesn't deal them and it does not deal with these issues in like unrealistic ways it doesn't make a playful fantasy out of like coming out or like dealing with your sexual identity or like navigating traditional family values, whatever your culture might be. Um, it's just a really lovely film and it's really funny. Um, and it's just, it's one of those times where I discover a film and I look at what the filmmaker has been doing and I just get really sad because this is a really brilliant film and I believe it was her debut feature. And since then mm -hmm. she's made one Netflix movie, Alice Wu. And like I think directed a couple episodes of Fleischman is is in trouble, um, so I would really love to have uh, a big light shown on Alice Wu by this getting added to the collection. I believe that there could be some really interesting conversations between the actors who were in this film and her. Um, also, just talking about what this film meant to possibly, you know, young gay women growing up in the two thousands. I know you have a relationship with this film. Did you come to it like a lot earlier than me or like anything? Um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I had a, I, my, my dear friend, Ned, he was the person who introduced me to a lot of queer films. I love like Desert Hearts and like Bound and like Saving Face. So he was really a person who introduced me to a lot of these movies. And so, yeah, a couple of years ago, I watched it. Yeah. Same immediately just loved it. I also loved how, it is about their romance, but it's also about the lead character's romance with her, not romance, relationship with her mother and like yeah. the the really complicated feelings that come from her mother, who's also pregnant uh, out of wedlock. And that's also this huge shock to the community and trying to fight. Yeah, like I feel like there's just a lot of layers that make it so much of a whole experience. So yeah, I yeah. love Saving Face. It's been a minute since I've seen it. So thank you for reminding me. It, it is just such mm -hmm. a 
a multifaceted story and it's dealing with issues of tradition on different levels just you know especially outside of that main relationship anyway Mackenzie what's your number three pick Sorry, I'm actively changing one of my picks from my list as as I as I was just thinking. So uh, we're vibing, but I'm not changing the next one because the next one is one everyone saw coming. Thanks. You seem uncomfortable. Do I make you nervous, Corky? No. Thirsty, maybe. Curious, maybe. That's funny. I'm feeling a little bit curious myself. That's a great tattoo. Beautiful Labrys. Are you surprised I know what it is? Maybe. I have a tattoo. Would you like to see it? A woman in upstate New York did it for me. Do you like it? Took her all day to do it. She promised it wouldn't hurt, but it was sore for a long time after. Couldn't even touch it. But now I love the way it feels. Here. Touch it. What are you doing? Isn't it obvious? I'm trying to seduce you. 1996 Bound, my favorite movie of all time. I want this is the Criterion Collection. I think the Wachowskis are two amazing filmmakers that are underrated because people get scared of their huge swings. Speed Racer rips, everyone fight me. But I do think Bound is my favorite movie ever in the world. Um, and I would love it if someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like, I tried to research. I don't believe there are any trans directors in the Criterion Collection, as far as I'm aware. So the Wachowskis might be, if they were added, the first trans directors in the whole collection, which would just be groundbreaking and great and a number that should increase. And I do think Bound is just a pitch perfect example of a neo-noir. It has the sex, it has the tension, it has the brilliant storytelling combined with incredible visuals, amazing directing choices from the Wachowskis. Um, I have the Olive Signature Blu-ray, which unfortunately the back packaging um, dead names the directors as well as some of the, um, slash all of the uh, features are really, really out of date. And I would just really love more features with the Wachowskis as they currently are, the, the cast as they currently are, looking back at it, right, for an anniversary maybe even. Um, I just would love more updated features, updated views on, I think, how people feel about the film now, especially after the Chelsea's have come out. I think there's been also a, a new reclamation of the film in terms of them coming out, as well as a lot of people revisited it with, or visited it for the first time because of the new Matrix. Like, I just think there's like, it would be amazing film for the collection for a multitude of reasons. Um, 
outside of it being my favorite movie, I think it is just a phenomenal movie. And um, yeah, I would I would literally die instantly if this was ever added to the Criterion Collection. I would just pass out and I would just, I'd be like um, that Tom and Jerry gif of, of him just like uh, coming out of his own body as an angel instantly. Like I would just pass out. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, you all knew this was going to be here. Found, it's got to be. Yeah. No, uh, and just for our all of our education, though, there are technically no uh, transdirected films in the Criterion Collection. There are a lot of films by non-binary people and trans people on the channel that can be watched. Yes. And there are some trans stories as well as non-binary stories. Um, yeah, I think I think I think they are getting better about it, but it it is sorely lacking representation of genderqueer people in the physical collection which is disappointing uh but hopefully there's room to grow there one of my personal favorites that i'm not talking about here i hope tomboy gets added which is yeah i've talked about on the show I've talked about to you a bunch it's just a beautiful story about a young person dealing with their gender identity um yeah anyway i guess it's my turn isn't it it is yes all right uh so my number three my number three pick is a classic. I think it's something that is a little ridiculous to put on a list like this, but I'm a little ridiculous person, so. <laughs> what happens? No, it's, it's too embarrassing. Don't tell me. Okay, there's this guy. What's he look like? I don't know. He's just kind of faceless. Faceless guy. Okay, then what? He rips off my clothes. Then what happens? That's it. That's it? A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I vary it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. What? Nothing. My number three pick is Nora Ephron's When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Yeah. And I just want to state, kind of like Mackenzie, these are not ranked in any kind of preference order. They're also not ranked in release order. They're just they're just put on a list. I just put them on a list. Uh this is like always been my number one. Like people are like, what would you add to the collection? I'm like, when Harry met Sally. Uh yeah. it's a perfect movie. Um it is uh Nora Ephron's, in my opinion. I know it's made by Rob Reiner. Um, but Rob Reiner is a filmmaker that uh, the collection has a relationship with. They mm-hmm. have Spinal Tap, I believe, is out of print, yes. but it's in the collection. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, so far, all my movies have been comfort movies. A lot of Criterion films are art and they are hard. Uh, we talked about one last week that's a little hard to sit through. Um, but a lot of the films that I really love, like The Worst Person in the World, like Three Colors Trilogy, or... Um, the before trilogy they're they're comfort films they're soft tender human films and that's what most of mine are and you know when harry met sally is truly one of those movies that is like a literal warm blanket uh mackenzie and i have friends who host a podcast called the movie mixtape and they talked for like a whole movie mixtape cycle about these films coined were warm blanket films that just make you feel mm. cozy inside and this is my ultimate one um so yeah that that's my number three i don't know what else i can say about when harry met sally mckenzie i mean it's the greatest i love this movie too it's i would put it in my top five of all time it's 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 perfect it's a perfect movie 
head to toe. I was proposed to during this movie. We watch it every year on New Year's Eve. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I have my pinned review as the night Rachel proposed. We watched the movie and, and, I think and of, yeah. it was the very end of the film and we, yeah, we got engaged. Um, so when Harry Met Sally is a big movie in our household and I, yeah, I think it's just literally a perfect movie. It's the best romance. It's the best rom-com. It's amazing. It would be a great addition and I wouldn't even mind if it was lax on features. I just want to see it in the collection. Um, there you go. Mackenzie, number two, please. My number two is the one I just was like, you know what? I got to start living my truth a little bit and just say this movie because it is a movie I would like to see a release of. There's, this is a film that recently my dear friend Ian bought me on DVD because <laughs> it's a perfect movie and it's the movie I've seen the most on Letterboxd because I watched it six times in one year, which was last year. This is Barbara Novak. I'm so sorry, Miss Novak, the darndest thing. I got waylaid by the sweetest Swedish Lapland who kept me up half the night, and I'm afraid I'm still in bed. My, you do get waylaid. Yeah, sure, thank you. I beg your pardon? I was saying thank you, Miss Novak. You are very understanding. Could we rain check until lunch? Mr. Block, you can take your rain check, and as we say on the farm at harvest time, put it where the sun does not shine. Miss Novak, if you're looking to get dinner, then just say so. Oh, Mr. Block, I wouldn't meet with you in a hundred years. Goodbye, Mr. Block, forever. Uh, 2003's Down with Love. I have sung the praises of this film so much. Uh, the wonderful Mia Pacino from the Letterboxd show, it's her favorite movie as well. They just did a great anniversary special about it. And in that, director Peyton Reed says that he's trying to get a 4K made. And man, this movie is gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. It's, you know, it's hearkening back to this sort of era of you know, Rock Hudson, Doris Day, but then you put on the DVD and it's a weird transfer. It's like a weird kind of duller transfer. And then if you try to rent it, it's similarly a kind of dull transfer. And I'm like, who is doing this movie so dirty? And I just think that if Peyton Reed as a director was able to oversee a 4K where they took out and they recolored and they were able to make those colors pop and, and upgrade it to the sharpest quality picture, um, it would just look like one of the most gorgeous movies in the world. And um, yeah, why not? Throw it in the Criterion Collection. I pretty much just like, I, I my last review, my seventh review for this movie was literally like, who do I need to talk to to get a 4K release of this film? Because it is just so beautiful. I love it so much. It's like my ultimate comfort movie for some reason. <laughs> and I could literally watch it every day and not get tired of it. And uh, yeah, I would put it in a collection if only because it. I think it just deserves a upgraded release. Um, I really think the only release that exists is the DVDs that came out around the time the film uh, went yeah. to home video initially. Um, and yeah, it deserves more. Come back. It's the 20th anniversary. Let's do this. What are we waiting yeah. for? It's ripe. It's a perfect movie for 4K. <laughs> yes. And just, just you never buy that, Mackenzie. Some other present, I'm going to get you that 4K. I'm going <laughs> to make you. good. I'm going to make good on that. I do appreciate the DVD. Because the DVD you got me has a pink case. The plastic casing is pink, mm. and it's, like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of 4K restorations, <gasps> yeah. my number two pick is actually something that's already in the Criterion collection. Ooh, okay. um, I just need a 4K restoration and better features. 
Want to go see the bedroom? Yeah. This is our bedroom. Oh, it's so beautiful. And this is my closet, and that's your closet. It's so big. And this is our desk. <sighs> and that's my bed, and that's your bed. This is my bed. Oh, Millie. I love it. I couldn't have imagined it being more perfect. Thanks. You know what? What? You're the most perfect person I ever met. Uh, this is the film you and I have talked about on this very show. It's Robert Altman's Three Women from 1977. Mm-hmm. I just watched this like the other night and I just can't get over how good this movie is and how good it looks and I can't imagine what it would look like in ultra high def with those, you know, yellows and sages and that desert landscape. Oof. Mm-hmm. I want it so bad. And I also want like new a new commentary by like a film historian or a critic. I want I want queer analysis conversations on this re-release. I want just a plethora of features. This is one of those films where I want like a two disc release and I just want to sit for four or five hours and let other people unpack it for me and give me their takes. Uh, I also want it to be in like a digi pack with like a 60 page color booklet. Like I want the full shebang for three women. Um, but I don't want to take any more time talking about it because Mackenzie, I've got to hear what your final pick is. Tell me what number one is. Yeah, I mean, I was could not figure out really what I wanted to do with this. Again, this is sort of like a first pass list. And I knew I wanted to do a more modern film, like a more like what I consider to be a modern classic. Uh, and this is a film I watched a little bit ago earlier this year. Um, it blew my mind. My review was simply five stars is not enough. And I do feel that way about this film. And from what I could tell, there was a limited release of it, but it, there, it's not readily available, which is strange for a film that is... Um, Distributed by A24. This one time, I run by this old, this old lady. I was running, hollering, cutting a fool, boy. This old lady, she stopped me. She said, running around, catching a boy that light. In moonlight, Black boys look blue. You blue. That's why I go call you. Blue. Say your name, Blue. <laughs> nah. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. And what I'm talking about is 2016's Moonlight by Barry Jenkins, uh, who is the director I think the Criterion has a collection with, a connection with, because Medicine for Melancholy, you know, is coming to the collection very soon. So, like, clearly Barry Jenkins is interested in his films being in a Criterion collection. 
And yeah, I was shocked that like Moonlight doesn't have one of those like special releases for May 2-4 because, you know, they have a ver The Green Knight and for Midsommar and Marcel and Actor Sun, all of which I own. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I own a lot of these and I would buy a Moonlight one if A24 had it, but they don't. And uh, I saw there was like a limited 2000, like 2000 release from some other boutique label. I, yeah, I'm not really sure. I was just Googling. I don't think it's still available. Like it's being resold on eBay now at this point. Um, but yeah, I think Moonlight is one of the greatest films probably in the last 10 years uh, that I've seen personally. Obviously an Academy Award winner, uh, notoriously so. Um, and when I watched it, I just couldn't believe how mind-blowingly beautiful and effective and it was to me. And the performances, the storytelling, the directing, is it is just a modern masterpiece to me. Uh, and so I wanted to pick a newer film and Moonlight felt like the right pick because um, I would love to own that film. And I think that Barry Jenkins is a great director and deserves to be in the Criterion more than he already is even. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have much to say about Moonlight other than that. It's a perfect film. If you have not seen it, I... I, I say grab your tissues and seek it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful film, and I think it would be a wonderful addition to the collection. Agreed. <sighs> oh, Ian, bring us home. All right. Number one for me is my favorite film by my favorite filmmaker, and it's also a pipe dream. Uh, it's never going to happen because this filmmaker has one film in the Criterion Collection and he'll never work with them ever again because he doesn't like contributing to these types of releases. He doesn't like giving special features. He doesn't like giving commentaries. Mackenzie, I bet you know who I'm talking about. I do. Sometimes I jump ahead in our life together. And I see a time near the end. I can predict the future and everything is settled. And all our lovers and children and friends come back and are welcome. And we have large gatherings where everyone is laughing and playing games. Thomas Anderson and the film is my favorite by him again it's Phantom Thread uh, I a modern masterpiece just like Moonlight I love this movie to death it is one of those films that I could watch again and again and again it's so uh, gobsmackingly beautiful 
I love the way that PTA has transitioned out of using um, a cinematographer who's not him and his camera guys. I there's something so unique about the way he shoots uh, Phantom Thread in the film since then, as well as the high music videos, which are just some of my favorite pieces of filmmaking, those music videos that he makes for my favorite band. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Phantom Thread is just a very unique uh, romance. It's sensual, it's dark, it's uh, it's just and it's just a masterclass in acting from one of the greats, Daniel Day Lewis, and also an amazing like coming out for Vicky Kripes, who's one of my favorite working actors. Like I love her in Berkman Island. Um, I'm so excited to catch up with her in Crossage, the uh, Queen Sissy uh, film that she recently made. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just it's one of those films that I know is never ever going to happen. It's probably never going to get a better release than the one that it currently has but it, you know it I, I dreaming big with this last one so i would love to see them wrestle pta out of his you know cave where he just hoards all of his behind the scenes stuff and all of his you know all of his extra crap i i want i want it so bad but yeah alas probably never gonna get it so that's that's my final one um, we need to get we need to get maya rudolph on the case we need to have her pull him out of the cave my yeah. will help us you know yeah. threaten uh, to cancel loot if she doesn't <laughs> the uh film i switched out for down with love i was gonna say magnolia 1999 so oh, that maybe that's yeah. an honorable mention for me because i was like i do love magnolia but i decided to go with down with love because it's more me but uh if i was to pick a ppa to add i would add magnolia magnolia is awesome i i yeah. Have I've had a lengthy conversation about Magnolia once upon a time many moons ago on a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's our list, Mackenzie. I think we have one little surprise left. Right up to the ceiling. Yeah. Right. This is it. Nomi. Hey. Okay. Nikki, Julie, Dina, and you know Gay. How you doing? They'll run you through it once. You just watch, and then we'll blend you in. Have you eaten anything? No. Jack. Yeah. Who do you want? Um, burger, fries, and soda. Get us some brown rice, vegetables, and a bottle of Evian. You got so it. You guys find it out. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. Come take a look at this first. Here we go. Five, six, seven, eight. turn was that? Do a PK turn. Huh. That's it. Okay, music! Go! Yeah. Go! Honorary 11th pick. It's by one of the greats, Paul Verhoeven. It recently just got a 4K upgrade. What is it? Showgirls, baby! Yeah. And I can't remember what episode it was, Mackenzie, but you and I had a lengthy conversation about it up front before getting into our feature film. But yes. I think this is a film that has flaws, but we both just love it a lot in it, all its camp and glory. Um, it went underappreciated in its time. You've had a longer relationship than I have to it, but it was one of those movies that when I saw it less than three months ago on Tubi of all places, <laughs> it was immediate all-timer. Love this movie. Um, that scene aside, as I think always must yeah. be said, um, what fun, what filmmaking cinema. 
man yeah it would be so fun to have this movie in the collection and um i truly i would respect the shit i mean i already respect criterion but man i would respect the shit out of them if they were like you know what fuck it showgirls <laughs> like i think that would be the literal funniest thing in the entire universe uh, because i think it, it would stick out like a sore thumb but in a kind of iconic way as like armageddon does i think and i'm like i kind of miss the days i say not being around during those days when they would add more kind of weird populist picks like showgirls which showgirls is like more a reclaimed classic right but yeah i think it would be fabulous and i would be purchasing what would the art look like that's what i'm thinking i'm like what would the cover art for showgirls be i want to imagine that it would be rad as hell but my in reality i feel like they would just pull a david lynch and it would just be the theatrical poster Oh, I would go down to the Criterion offices and I would be yelling at people if that was the case because I am annoyed that they did that for like multiple Lynch releases recently. I'm so (laughs) mad that it's the theatrical coaster. Like, I hate it so much. No, it's truly, I mean, come on, Criterion. Like, well, that's part of the, that's part of the package deal, right? I mean, come on. Uh, That's the other reason three women's on my list. All the posters for three women are garbage. (laughs) Um, but uh alas uh yeah criterion put showgirls in the collection we dare you you. (laughs) yes um well i think that's it Mackenzie. i really hope that the listeners have enjoyed this meandering uh journey through our top five criterion picks plus showgirls uh, if y'all want to tell us what you would add to the Criterion Collection, please let us know. Write into us or send us a voicemail under 90 seconds to the Criterion Connection at gmail.com. But that is it for us on this little bonus episode. Thank you, Mackenzie, for humoring me. I hope of you're course. enjoying your vacation as this Ooh. comes out. <laughs> and join us next week where we will be discussing one of our faves, the Red Shoes. But uh, that's it, Mackenzie. Until then. See you next time on the Criterion Connection.